0: The Scream Kings are in no way responsible for any encounters with the paranormal, extraterrestrial abductions, eldritch insanity, hauntings, curses, hexes, demonic possessions, cryptozoological sightings, or any loss of sleep that may result from listening to this podcast.
1: podcast i'm nathaniel darkish
0: and this is max george on the count of three you will be in the sunken place (laughs) oh goodness we're going to talk about an incredible movie today i'm very excited this movie blows me away
1: yeah it's one of my very favorite movies of last year Uh, of course we're talking about the oscar award-winning film get out that's right horror movies can win at the oscars too people not very often, as we will discuss in some length, but when it does, it's super awesome, and I think it should happen more often. Get out! Um, so I guess we could just do a quick plot summary and then start digging into what makes this movie so freaking amazing.
0: Beforehand, I do want to drop the spoiler bomb again. Um, this movie is really brilliant, and the plot is very intricate, and a lot of the spoilers we're going to drop I had no idea they were coming when I first saw this movie. So if you genuinely do not want to be spoiled, especially in such a good movie like this one, go watch the movie first and then listen to the podcast. Because this movie has some pretty intense stuff that is very big in terms of spoiler criteria, I would imagine.
1: Yes. And, I mean, it's not that hard to find this movie. It's, I mean, it just won an Oscar, so it's... Uh, really available for for rental everywhere. You know, you can Redbox it. You can, you know, find it on Amazon or you know find it in stores or whatever. So it's a very accessible movie, and I think pretty much anyone who is a fan of horror is going to absolutely love it. Agreed. So, um, let's
0: get into the plot. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to start us out. Go ahead. Okay. So the beginning of the movie is really kind of spooky in itself just because you have this african-american individual walking down the street and then this car pulls over and you don't really see a whole lot of what's going on but clearly he's getting abducted and beat up and then he gets pulled into the car and that's how the movie starts and then the credits start to roll and for me this was one of my almost one of my favorite parts of the movie because Credits kind of were split into two different musical themes. The first part was kind of this fun, jazzy, kind of, I don't know, fun and upbeat type of music. And then the second part became this weird, like, voodoo-ish, kind of creepy music going on in the background.
1: Yeah, lots of uhs, but like... like... (laughs) But not not pretty Oz, like scary Oz.
0: Like demon Oz. I think we found the hashtag
1: for the episode. Hashtag demon Oz.
0: And so that really, I think, set the precedence for the movie, is that you knew this was going to be something creepy. Um, In the beginning of the movie, there's this individual, an African-American, and his acting is just phenomenal. And it's Chris Washington. He is... Oh, no, excuse me. It's Daniel Kaluuya. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. He plays Chris Washington. Excuse me.
1: Yes, Daniel Kaluuya.
0: And his girlfriend, who is named Rose Armitage, and she's played by Allison Williams. And they're just kind of having this nice little exchange, and she wants him to meet her parents. And he's very concerned about him being an African American and how that's going to be coming across to her family, You kind of get the sense that maybe her family is one of those old-fashioned, you know, where racism is still alive kind of a deal. Maybe they had talked about it before. Um, And so there's a little kind of uncertainty with that. And she assures him that they're very progressive, that her dad would have voted for Obama for a third time. And really, wouldn't we all have voted for Obama for a third time?
1: Better than our current uh, political leaders.
0: If we want to talk about a real horror movie. Anyway... (laughs) and then they end up going and they are driving on this road we find out that he's a smoker but he's trying to quit his girlfriend isn't really a big fan of that and all of a sudden this deer jumps out of nowhere and they hit the deer and kind of swerve off the road and eventually a police officer comes and again a big part of the movie is are these underlying and really not underlying but kind of subtle racism tones that really get under your skin. The police officer comes up and is talking to the girlfriend Rose and is asking for her ID and her driver's license. And, you know, just typical police officer things to do. And then all of the blue, he asks for Daniel Kaluuya's character for his ID. And it's like, well, why? He wasn't driving. He was a passenger. And Chris Washington's character kind of is getting you know kind of passive with it saying okay it's fine it's fine but his girlfriend rose is really like no what are you doing with this officer like really kind of puts the officer in place which was very refreshing to see um and i don't know if you agree with that but i think it was really a good point that the movie made very apparent that this girlfriend was very anti-racism which
1: was nice to see and kind of gave you a sense of comfort though kind of referencing some spoilers that are about to come maybe that wasn't just a anti-racist move on her part maybe there was a an underlying reason why she didn't want uh his id to get scanned into the police system
0: i know i know but at the time when i was watching this i thought she was being a good person
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and and i i really just gonna kind of interject here that i really like that it's you know kind of right off the bat you have this example of a very real everyday sort of instance of racism uh, that's so institutionalized uh in America that yeah we we just get to see what it's it's like in terms of awkwardness and how um someone who is black uh has to unfortunately be kind of used to that sort of treatment even if it doesn't make sense and is wantonly racist versus you know someone who who kind of views the world as hey, like we should be um, seeing or hey the the world is better than this like you know we've we've moved past this um, sort of racism in America like why would you even ask for an ID of a passenger? And so I mean I, I like that it's it's a very clear example of something that is really really very common in the United States today and you know that's that's the first, like kind of icky, gross, uh, racist incidents that we see. And it just starts to snowball there because once they get to
0: Rose's house, we meet the parents and the groundskeeper is African-American. And Chris Washington obviously noticed this and it's clear that he's uncomfortable with this. Oh, and also the housekeeper is too. Right, and that's where I was headed. Like, and after the tour, he walks into the kitchen, and I love the scene where it like comes across the kitchen, and there's just this African American maid smiling from ear to ear at the kitchen, and the music is just so perfect. And I just I remember being physically like ill because it was like, oh my gosh, we're doing this. This is actually happening.
1: Yeah, and but something I really like is that it it then hangs a lantern on all of this that um, that Dean Armitt. Uh, Armitage, the uh, father of Rose,
0: whose acting I thought was the best in the entire show. I loved how he composed himself and how he, I don't know, portrayed this like unstable father. Oh, I thought he was great. It was weirdly hot
1: to me for some reason. (laughs) Okay, well, uh, you might be a fan of The West Wing then, because he's in that and. uh... But yeah, so that's, that's uh, the actor, Bradley Whitford, who, yeah, like I mentioned just now, is uh, in the West Wing. He kind of, like, is a sort of dark, twisted version of his West Wing character in a lot of ways, All which right. is kind of a fun thing.
0: Good to know.
1: But yeah, I like that, you know, his character immediately hangs a lantern on it. Like, oh, like, yeah, you saw that, um, you know, Walter and Georgina are the people, you know, who are our servants are you know black and we're white and it's you know kind of this awkward thing you know it's like hey like just want you to know like it's not anything about racism or anything like that you know they uh, we hired them to help take care of my parents before they passed and then you know just you know wanted to keep having them work with us because they became part of the family and so, you know, you kind of see this like, well, is there racism or, I mean, you know, is it okay for, you know, a black person to work for a white person? It kind of like puts immediately into question this sort of like, what what is the kind of line of, of what's racist and what isn't these days?
0: Right. And I think that's the true horror behind this movie. And we can get to this a little bit more in detail later on, but in terms of supernaturality, if that's a word, I don't know. If it isn't, I just made it up. Um,
1: it's it, definitely not a word.
0: I don't care. It's a word now. It's a max word. Um, <laughs> it really shows the horror that still is out there in the world, and that is racism. And we can get into that again, like I said, a little bit later. But it, these undertones that it just layers on top of each other really become very harrowing by the
1: end of the movie. Agreed. Um, so, I guess to kind of pick up where uh, where where we were in terms of the plot summary, um, you know, he meets everyone in the family. Uh, he meets uh, Rose's mother as well, who uh, who is named Missy, played by Catherine Keener, who was also very good in the film. I mean, everyone, just all of the acting is great. Like, we, I guess I can just kind of go without saying. Agreed. Um, but she um, is a... Uh, therapist uh psychologist something along those lines it's psychiatrist she is you know kind of makes an offer like hey like so you're wanting to quit smoking like I, I can help you with that I have uh experience doing how, hypnotism how, there we go words <laughs> uh, she offers to help him by hypnotizing him to help him overcome the cravings and he says you know oh no I, I'm good like I, I don't want people get you know kind of getting into my head Um, And then uh, shortly thereafter, you also meet Rose's younger brother, Jeremy, who is a little bit more overtly racist in uh, his interactions. He starts saying like, oh, like, hey, you know, with your ethnic, uh, you kind of your ethnic background, like you'd be really good for being an MMA fighter and things like that. And he's just like, oh, like, pardon me? Like, why... Why does being black make me, you know, have to have to be that kind of thing? Um, and so as it's going forward, we you know, find out that, hey, there's going to be this big family uh, hosted party the following day that, you know, all of their friends are going to come and visit. And, you know, so Chris is going to meet everybody and you know, get to, to visit with all of their uh, wide circle of uh, wealthy friends. And so the following day, um, you know, start meeting all of these friends at this party. And, you know, there's more of the subtle racism going on, you know, this, you know, a, a lady you know, feels uh, open in, you know, walking up on oh, filling his muscles and saying, he's so handsome. And like, you know, getting like too close to him or, um, you know, people are asking him questions about what it's like uh, being black in America and things like that. And, and it's, it's not that these are any one of these things would be necessarily inappropriate if they were uh, handled in a different way or, or if they were you know approached you know asking for permission or things like that, but it's just thing after thing after thing after thing after thing where you see you know that he's kind of feeling attacked and then finally he see, he sees one other black man there. And he goes over and, you know, just tries to introduce himself and say, like, hey, like, it's good to see another brother over here. And the guy speaks very differently, very articulately in, in a way that's uncomfortable.
0: Right. It's like a creepy over articulation, like very proper, very
1: firm. It's just it gives you goosebumps. Yeah. And that's um, the character. Andre, by uh, played by Lakeith Stanfield, and he's just saying, like, oh, well, I'm glad that you feel more comfortable being around me now that I am here. Like, things like that. It's just kind of this weird awkwardness uh, in this conversation. And right after that uh, interaction, where uh, Chris goes for, like, a, a fist bump and the guy just, like, grabs his hand and, like, shakes it, which is weird, <laughs> um, he... Excuses himself, goes and tries to call his friend, who I guess is someone that we probably should have mentioned by this point. Uh, his uh, his best friend Rod, who is uh, at this point uh, he is a TSA agent, and he is work. Um, he is like taking care of Chris's dog, and is kind of his his uh, connection to the outside for the the purpose of the film. And he's the smartest
0: guy ever like the smartest tsa worker i've ever known (laughs) um and so it gets to the point where chris kind of sneaks a picture of andre just so he can kind of show his buddy rod what's going on and when he does that andre kind of snaps and kind of comes out at him and says get out get out get out almost very warning like
1: and attacks Uh, him
0: right and that's really when the movie starts to snowball because then Rod kind of figures out that Andre is this friend that they've known and he yeah, like
1: a, a friend of a friend,
0: right? Who had been missing, who's gone. And so Rod starts, you know, really freaking out that, you know, Chris, you got to get out of there. Chris agrees. He goes to his girlfriend Rose and Rose up to this point has been very supportive of defending against all of the racism with her brother and her weird parents and has been very vocal about it. And so you kind of are rooting for her
1: as well. And actually I'm going to put the brakes on where we are because I realized we skipped something that was extremely, extremely important. The hypnotism, the hypnotism. (laughs) So yes, the night before, uh, so, you know, the first night there, Chris goes out in the middle of the night to have a smoke break. And, um, the mom, Missy, uh, you know kind of stops him as he's going back inside and this was you know after he had like a weird interaction with uh walter the the you know black servant um and so uh, where he's just like running around in like weird straight lines and it's it's a really weird interaction but um yeah missy says like oh hey like come sit with me i'm just you know drinking tea like let's chat for a minute and she hypnotizes him do you want to go into that
0: Yeah, um, and so they're just kind of talking. She has a little teacup there and is kind of stirring the tea, making these little clinking noises. And she starts asking him about Chris's, his kind of traumatic childhood. He didn't really have a father around. His mother died at an early age, and so she's trying to kind of pull these emotions out of him. And he's starting to realize that it's hypnotism. And it comes to the point where the hypnotism becomes um paralyzing and he can't move absolutely and he's realizing this and he starts crying and his eyes just won't shut and it's really harrowing scene just because he's in so much agony but you can't visibly see it you can just kind of see it in his eyes and daniel kaluya for this moment really knocked it out of the park because the pain and the agony i said agony twice in a row and i don't even care is just very apparent
1: you know what is this lady doing to me i can't move what the
0: f is happening
1: yeah and i mean she's basically having him read the night that his mother died in a car accident that they're watching tv waiting for her long after the point that he should have called for help or something like that and so he's going through all of those emotions again and she sends him into what she calls the sunken place where he's kind of just stuck in that emotion and and just kind of like it, it's it's shown as as him like being uh like sinking further and further away from the scene of you know sitting in the chair uh, across from her and so he can kind of see what's going on and, and he's distantly aware of it but he can't control his body he can't control anything and then he wakes up and then there's the day of the party
0: so referencing that hypnotism he takes a picture of andre andre freaks out um it leads to this to rod figuring out that andre has been missing chris kind of realizes that they're in this crazy situation something is weird is going on and he convinces rose to help him leave so they're packing up and in her bedroom he finds this box filled with pictures of other african-american boyfriends that
1: rose has had and it's not just one or two it's like 20. And, and she says that he was the first black man that she's dated.
0: Right. And then she comes back in. She's still really supportive of them leaving. And so they're trying to get out the door. And obviously the parents and her brother are upset by this. They want him to stay. And they're starting to ask him really kind of creepy questions about what his purpose is and this and that. And he's screaming at Rose, like, find the keys, find the keys. We need to go. And at one point she pulls the keys out and she's just like... I'm not gonna give you the keys,
1: and that's where my mind was just like, "Oh my gosh, she's evil." Well, so so the fact that among the pictures there were uh, pictures of Walter and Georgina, the you know the family's servants, uh, among the people that she dated, that didn't make you freak out.
0: No, I mean it did, and I knew she was gonna be evil then, but. She was just—I was rooting for her so much up to this point, and the minute she did that, it was just like, "I'm done with you." <sighs> because at that point, you didn't really know what was going on still.
1: Yes, and so at that point, you find out that, and and some of this has been kind of revealed, but out of context, uh, just you know, shown in in different scenes. But basically, you find out that. Uh, Chris has been bidded on his body has by the people who attended the party and specifically the person who won the this auction for his body uh, is a name uh, or is a man named Jim Hudson uh, who is a uh, blind art collector and uh, Chris is a photographer and so he wants Chris's body so he can uh, once again have, an artistic eye and so basically uh, what Chris finds out as he is sitting strapped to a chair uh, once he wakes up um, after getting like knocked out by uh, the brother is that there's gonna be a procedure and Jim Hudson is going to have his consciousness put inside Chris's body and Chris will live in the sunken place. He'll be aware of what's happening, but won't have any control over it. That you know, his body will now be uh, Jim Hudson's, and that kind of gives us context for what's going on with Andre. Um, you know, that was uh, another person who uh, had dated Rose previously and uh, was abducted by uh, her brother Jeremy at the start of the film, and. Then, um, you know, also Walter and Georgina, you find out, you know, they they have some of these uh, people's bodies in them or their uh, other people's consciousnesses in them, specifically uh, Rose's grandparents.
0: Which is a really fresh take on kind of the possession story. It's not this demon that is crazy and possessing and doing terrible things. It's humans actually doing the possessing, which I think is fascinating. Um, and I guess for sake of time and the podcast, I mean, we could go over scene by scene by scene. Uh, eventually Chris escapes this chair and obviously chaos ensues and you kind of want to go over the more kind of a broader
1: plot of what ends up happening at the end. Okay. Um, so he kills the Armitages while escaping with the exception of Rose, uh, who is chasing him with a gun as he's running away from the house and you know he briefly overpowers her but then gets tackled by walter who you know is you find out you know uh, uh, rose's grandfather Uh, they have a struggle but then chris remembers the the moment of lucidity that was caused by taking a picture and so he uh you know takes a picture with his camera real quick And so the person who Walter once was, you know, kind of comes to himself long enough to shoot Rose with her own gun and give uh, Chris the chance to potentially escape. And so he's, you know, limping away and then suddenly a cop car shows up and, you know, you feel this moment of just horrible dread. And then you find out that it is his friend Rod who has you know, kind of been behind the scenes, you know, trying to get help, trying to figure out what's going on. And, you know, he shows up in his TSA car and, you know, they hop in the car and they get away.
0: And I think that that moment at the very end, that dread about seeing a police car is really indicative of the horror that this movie is, because in a horror movie, typically a police car is a sign of salvation, but you've got this poor African-American man with a gun and a bleeding white girl on the street and the whole theme of the movie you totally think he's going to get busted for the
1: murders. And actually fun fact, that was the original ending. Really? Yeah. Yeah, the original ending was going to be Rod talking to Chris in prison and him saying like like, you know, look, like, you know, we we need to tell the truth. We need to, you know, get you out and and tell your story and Chris says like it doesn't matter like we we stopped what they were doing that's the end of the you know okay, it, it's, okay. it's over and so that was actually the original ending which from a horror standpoint is a little more powerful but it's really satisfying to watch rod show up and you know chris just go like how how did you find me like how did you know and he's like i am the t-s mother Effin a <laughs> and it's a great like cheer moment instead of a moment where you just have your soul crushed
0: well and i think that's good for this movie just because it was so much despair happening it really kind of accented the movie a little bit better okay so that's a big plot overview of the movie and again if you have not seen this movie please go see it it's really it's going to be an incredible movie that's really going to last its lifetime being one of the best horrors i think let's talk about real quick because we have a lot to talk about oscars (laughs) yes um what did you think the scariest part was
1: i'd say the scariest part for me was the sunken place okay um just yeah that that scene where you know he first is hypnotized and you know is in the sunken place it just you feel this intense dread and helplessness that chris is experiencing and it's very visceral um You know, both for the character and and as a viewer. I I felt this just awful horror when I saw that scene.
0: And for me I mean I've kind of mentioned it it as just that girlfriend reveal. That she was such a champion for him or so we thought up to this point and then all of a sudden he's lost that support and she's against him. And just the acting and the scene itself and just her going from this like cute sensitive girlfriend to all of a sudden this terrifying bitch really got under my skin quite a bit i think it's one of the better horror reveals that have come out in the last few years
1: so what was overall you know regardless of scare factor what was your favorite part of the film
0: um i really really liked the fresh take on the possession and i don't know if we can call it possession or whatever you want to call it The idea of taking your consciousness and trapping it into someone else, I think, is incredibly fresh. And I think this movie did it in a very, I don't want to say fun because it's not fun, but a very original way. And it really kind of pulls in those racial themes as well, that they're looking for these perfect people and they're African-Americans. And so it's this weird kind of counter racism, still racism. I don't know. I think it was just a very artistic way of showing horror in a way that has not been done before. You know, it wasn't just a remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, mm-hmm. it was a com- its completely own new thing. And I'm excited about that because I think other movies coming out, like Unsane and A Quiet Place, these new kind of horrors that are, are fresh stories, they're not remakes, they're not revamps. They're not the same story told a different way. They have a real potential to kind of usher in a new age of horror. And so that for me was my favorite part. It was just that this is a fresh movie. This is something I've never seen before, and I'm totally in it.
1: I I have to agree. And I mean I really feel that um, you know, you as you mentioned, you know, it it brings the issue of race to the forefront of the of the story and it, you know, shows really the The horror of what America is today that, you know, I I don't think it's a a coincidence that this movie has had the level of success it has in the last year, Uh, specifically, you know, with that being the first year of Trump's presidency and things like that. It's really, you know, the the kind of uh, America that we're unfortunately dealing with today. You know, a lot of our, our these demons from the past of, you know, 1960s racism and things like that, you know, we we liked to pretend that that was all over with, um, you know, especially with Obama being elected and things like that, but it's not. And, you know, the, the racism might have taken new forms, but it's still very present and very problematic.
0: And along those lines, I think it was really ironic and kind of this juxtaposition that, This blatant racism was going on the entire movie, but yet the bodies that these racist, crazy people wanted was the African-American body. And so that to me was even another layer of racism that, that just these people, they considered this race just deplorable and treated them so terribly to the point that they were going to be new bodies that we could inhabit. So there will be, still be African Americans, but there'll be African Americans with a white mind. And that's that's gross to think about because that kind of, like you were saying, reflects on America nowadays, is that, yeah, we all want to believe racism is dead, and it's not.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really not. And, I mean, I feel like Jordan Peele, the director of the, and writer of this film, really is kind of in, in many ways in a fairly unique position to kind of tell this sort of story because um, he's half black, half white. And so he gets to kind of see America kind of from, from every angle and every side. And, and I feel like um, his experiences really helped him create a very powerful horror film. And you know, I love that that he made this movie after you know a lot of the other projects he's done, like uh, the Key and Peele comedy uh, sketch series that you know I, for the most part, really enjoy. But you know, I like that instead of kind of just taking a funny approach, he decided, hey, I'm going to tell a really powerful horror story, dealing with these same issues of race that you know I've I've been working around uh, for most of my career. And instead of just you know making people laugh you know it's 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 time to to scare them because obviously these issues aren't getting better in fact they're getting worse right and so i just absolutely think that's fantastic
0: it's a very poignant movie for the times that we're living in you know everyone is clamoring for social justice but behind closed doors there's still a lot of these feelings that go around and whether that's racism or sexuality or immigrants a lot of these ideas are still so pervasive out there it's it's that's why this to me is one of the best horror movies is because it takes something so real and just throws it in your face and you can't get away from it you can't get
1: out i guess kind of going into my very favorite part of the film it's it was kind of hard to choose just because it's such a well-constructed film Uh, yeah i watched it a couple of times now and Um, every time I I notice more levels and kind of more um, things being foreshadowed and set up, and so uh, all of the writing is really strong, but I feel like one of the most powerful scenes is the auction scene, uh, which we didn't really touch on in great detail, but it's these... um, You know, everyone is sitting, and it looks like they're about to play a game of bingo. You know, they all have bingo cards, but they're using it to place their bids, and you know, it's just... Uh, Bradley Whitford's character standing in front of them all uh, just you know silently uh, raising up fingers and I believe the the bid is I from what I understand probably 10 million dollars for Chris's body
0: yeah that yeah I didn't like that part either that was a good yeah it, it
1: it just was very powerful to see that and to kind of see this silently playing out while you know this intense music is playing it, it was just a really powerful scene to watch
0: so is there anything about the movie that you didn't like or you'd like to change or just thought could have gone a different way
1: um well i mean i i already talked about the alternate ending being maybe a, a possibly more powerful ending in in terms of being a horror film
0: yeah i agree i don't i think i would have liked
1: that a little bit better but i'm a fan for sad endings yeah i mean i feel like this movie for what it's trying to do in terms of like making a social point. I think it it, having a a stand up and cheer moment instead was probably the right choice, even though it may not be the choice that I personally would have made, but it's still like, I mean, either ending is very good. And then I guess just the only other thing I would change is maybe the, the process for uh, doing the consciousness transference felt kind of, cartoonish in a way like kind of something that you'd see in like a, a cartoon parody of, a, of some mad scientist sort of thing it didn't quite feel as real and visceral as a lot of the other parts of the film so it just kind of threw me out a little bit but I mean I don't mind the idea of that being what is going on it's just the way that you know kind of like the operating room and everything like that was presented I it felt a little too silly for me yeah
0: for me, it was more about the pacing, um, I, but I understand kind of what they were doing, I feel like. Um, the first big half of the movie, I thought the pacing was very, not slow, but drawn out. Uh, it just kind of felt like it was trudging along at a very pleasant place, and then all of a sudden it just snowballed and went out of control. And again, like I understand that they had a lot of this plot that they were trying to develop, uh, and I appreciated that because the plot is very tight i just remember when i first saw it thinking like i'm kind of getting bored should i turn it off and watch it another day nope i can't all of a sudden nope
1: yeah i i can kind of see what you're saying especially for the first watch i think i was a a little bit the same when the the first time i saw the film second time i saw the film when i kind of knew what to look for every piece seemed very important and i I don't know. I didn't feel like there was a pacing issue this that second time. I felt like every detail was extremely important to set up everything else.
0: And very well thought out, too. There wasn't anything that was just frivolous.
1: Yeah, it is a very lean and mean horror film.
0: Right. So, with that said, this lovely movie won at the Oscars this year, which was so fun to see.
1: Yeah, so I... Was uh, hardcore cheering for it on Twitter and things like that. You know, it, it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor for uh, Daniel Kalua or Kaluuya, and finally uh, for what it actually won Best Original Screenplay.
0: Yay! Which is awesome. I think sometimes that's my favorite award because it shows the originality behind the movie. You know, before any actors, before any music, before any editing, there has to be a screenplay. It's kind of the core of a movie.
1: Yeah, and I feel like Jordan Peele, once again, just really knocked it out of the park. His his writing, his directing, everything was just amazing. And honestly, I think if it, if it wasn't up against uh, Guillermo del Toro, I think he, he could have easily won Best Director for that as well.
0: And with that being said, Guillermo del Toro did win the Best Picture for Shape of Water. Um, which was also a big win for the horror community because it is very much influenced by classic horror films. Um, But also Del Toro is huge into making horror and fantasy. And I've done some research that he really was hoping that this movie would do well because he has some ideas for a Lovecraftian movie, which I think he would just blow out of the water.
1: Yeah, gotta take a moment just to talk about how much I love Guillermo Del Toro because he is the man he's one of my favorite directors working today um i so i i recently saw shape of water it wasn't my favorite of his films i don't think i
0: didn't like it either i thought the plot was terribly boring
1: like it was like i thought it was fine but it 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 wasn't i think at the at the same level as uh, something like pan's labyrinth which he just should have won all the awards but it didn't win any awards as far as the oscars go which is stupid but that's a different conversation. <laughs>
0: um, and I loved the cinematography. I thought the music was beautiful. Um, The puppetry was uh, stunning. Yes. But, and this is a podcast for another time. I didn't think it was a
1: horror movie at all. Yeah, no, I don't feel like it was a horror film. I feel like the horror community is as excited about the win there as it is because Del Toro has directed several horror films and also um, I feel like just because you can really see the the kind of like classic universal monster movie influence on how that film was made that's also yeah a big part of of why it's such a big deal to horror fans and also just because ultimately just really any genre film winning is really a, makes makes for a a good day at the Oscars. I feel like Genre fiction in general, be it, you know, in literature or in film or whatever, just often gets the raw end of of everything uh, in terms of, like, critical reception, which is really stupid because most of the books that have made the biggest difference in my life have been fantasy or horror or sci-fi.
0: Right, and that's kind of the, the struggle of the Academy. They have a very, it's almost like a clique of movies that they really hone in on and focus to. So any win that the horror community can get is a win.
1: Yep. And speaking of which, I just kind of wanted to just talk about uh, some of the uh, ways that horror has been represented in the past at the Oscars. Hit us. All right. So the first nomination uh, that has uh, ever been for an Oscar film was uh, for sound recording for The Bride of Frankenstein, which um, I'm just going to come out and say it it was a that's a criminal crime that that's all it was uh, Uh, nominated for because... um, it, it should honestly have Best Actor and Best Actress nominations at the very least, because Karloff as Frankenstein's monster is just incredible. And I'm forgetting her name, but the actress who played the Bride of Frankenstein, even though her uh, screen time was actually pretty minimal, also just knocked it out of the park. So, you know, just going to drop that there. So uh, other... Then after that, we have Psycho uh, being nominated for Best Director and Supporting Actress uh, for Janet Lee. Didn't win anything, though. Um, Rosemary's Baby was the first uh, horror film that had uh, any big wins. It won Best Adapted Screenplay. Oh, no, sorry, didn't win that. It was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, and it won Best Supporting Actress, uh, uh, actress Ruth Gordon. Um, and then the first really kind of breakaway hit in terms of Oscar nominations in horror was The Exorcist which had ten nominations and won uh, Best Sound and Best Adapted Screenplay. Um, I'm going to agree with the screenplay sound mm, honestly yeah. I could have done better yeah. Agreed. <laughs> but yeah I mean so it, it had nominations for pretty much all of the the major Oscar things you know Best Picture things like that and then Jaws was nominated for Best Picture uh, but Spielberg kind of got snubbed on that one which is a shame, because it's a really Funny. good movie. Then, just you know, kind of a, a few rapid fire. Uh, Omen had an Oscar for best score. Alien won for visual effects. American Werewolf in London had uh, best makeup. Poltergeist had three nominations. The fl- uh, the remake of The Fly had best makeup nomination. Aliens had seven nominations um, and one in some technical categories first like really big uh win in terms of a- uh acting uh was best actress for Kathy Bates for the film Misery and yeah she knocked it out of the freaking park oh
0: my gosh that movie still gives me nightmares
1: <laughs> i know i i absolutely adore that movie it's by far one of the best Stephen King adaptations and Kathy Bates yeah can haunt my dreams even though i think in in real life she'd probably be really delightful She's terrifying to me. If
0: I met her in person, I would be so scared.
1: Oh yeah, well I I would be afraid of being kneecapped, but you know that's because of misery. A, a few years later, we had The Silence of the Lambs, which totally just knocked it out of the park. It swept all of the awards. It you know won best uh, best director, best adapted screenplay, best actor, best actress, and uh, best picture. So yeah, that one won all of the awards as it should have because it's a pretty much perfect movie. Yeah, agreed. Um, And then since Silence of the Lambs, we've seen actually very little in terms of horror. We had a director screenplay nomination and Best Picture nomination for The Sixth Sense. And then uh, Black Swan got nominated for Best uh, Picture, but neither of those films won anything. And then we have Get Out winning this year. So we are now caught up. I think from that segue, I think it would be good to kind of throw in we had a Twitter question! Yes,
0: we did. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. At HorrorMadam, you made our days by asking a question, and we love interacting with the community. So thank you so much. This was so much fun to get a question.
1: Yes, and and we're going to do better about asking questions in the future. Keep an eye out, people. The question asked was, loved the movie, the message,
0: directing, writing, but there are some amazing horror films that never got recognized by the Oscars. What horror films do you guys think should have? And for me, and I know, Nathaniel, you'll agree, Pan's Labyrinth, to me, is one of the most beautiful works of horror fiction I've ever seen in my life. Yes. Um, that movie should have won something for cinematography. Uh, I just thought it was breathtaking.
1: Yes, it should have won all the awards. It should have won Director, Best Picture... Or, I mean, I guess best foreign... I mean, I guess it it would, would have been a, a foreign film, so um, it should have won at least best foreign film. I also loved The
0: Witch. Not everyone loves The Witch. It's kind of hard and gritty to get through, and there's a scene that is really traumatizing. But just how in-depth the characters got into the roles, I thought the acting was sublime. It was just a really stunning piece of acting work in
1: my mind. Yes, I definitely feel like uh, the the main actress for that, whose name is escaping me right now for some reason, she definitely should have won for her performance at the very least. But yeah.
0: Other than the baby scene, this movie has one of the scariest scenes of all time I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> we should probably do an episode about this movie. I love this movie.
1: Yeah, me too. I... I really want to cover that one so i i wholeheartedly agree there
0: it was anya taylor joy who played thomason in the witch she was the one who you were referencing earlier um one more movie that i want to recognize that i absolutely love is the babadook (laughs) i thought this was an excellent movie not only as a creepy supernatural horror movie but really showed lot of the dark side of children with kind of special needs and how challenging that can be especially in a single parent home and just how the acting portrayed that again i think this should have won some awards i love the babadook
1: i i really like the babadook maybe not as much as you did um but yeah i i agree that it definitely should have at least you know gotten a nod by the by the oscar committee at very least Right, um, I don't
0: necessarily think it would have won things, but it should have been nominated in my mind.
1: Yeah, um, I think kind of going back to some of the films that we uh, touched on that had you know nominations and the like. Um, I think Psycho should have definitely won uh, Best Director, if not also Best Picture, because Psycho is pretty much perfect as well. I mean, I mentioned that like the that Alien had won some stuff for effects, but I think like The Thing would be another great example of a horror film that should have won for uh, its effect work and uh, as i mentioned before karloff should have lots of wins for like best actor for the frankenstein films it's just uh he's so good
0: so maybe let's rewind and get back to get out you know it obviously won these awards it's going to be a great movie let's do the screams and the crowns for it as we wrap up and then we can share our exciting news
1: sounds good um so where would you put it in terms of screams
0: Um, And once again, just to remind our audience, Screams are what we consider to be the scare factor, how scary it is. Crowns being how good of a movie we think it is. Um, Just so we all keep that distinction correct. So as far as Screams, I gave it a six. I thought it was very, very scary, but I thought the scares were more... um,
1: Ideological?
0: Yes, yes, that's subtle and ideological really made you think about how the world is right now and how terrifying and truly horrific that is that's why i gave it a six i mean it probably should be higher but it didn't get under my skin like that one scene in the witch
1: that's fair um yeah i gave it a six as well i put it you know there there are some really powerful uh, scary scenes But yeah, more of the horror just comes from the fact that, you know, America is dealing with these kind of racial issues today, uh, as opposed to the, yeah, freaky, can't uh, sleep at night sort of horror that I usually associate with uh, with, uh, a high scream ranking.
0: Now, as far as Crowns go, straight nine for me. One of the better horror movies I have seen in a really, really long time.
1: I'm going to go one better. I gave it a 10. It's one of my favorite films of last year by far. And it was for me
0: too. I just i am saving that 10 for just the perfect
1: movie, I think. <laughs> for me, like it, it, this is up there with Alien and with Silence of the Lambs in terms of just how well constructed of a film it was. You know, like I said, just, you know, the writing was really well thought out, the direction was fantastic the music was fantastic the acting was fantastic everything just really came together on this film for me so yeah i gave it a 10 so guess our average there would be so six screams and nine and a half crowns that's one of the highest ranking films we've done yet
0: go see this movie it's so good go see
1: it and then watch it again yes and then own the blu-ray <laughs> All right.
0: I'm so excited. Do you want to spill the beans on exciting news?
1: Yes. Um, So we have some really exciting things coming up. I mean, we have uh, our next several episodes planned out, but specifically uh, one of our upcoming episodes, Uh, probably not the next episode, but the following one is I'm guessing what we'll be doing based on our schedule Uh, is going to feature a member of the horror community um a a horror pro dan wells uh, who is an author uh best known uh in the horror community for writing the john cleaver series of novels uh starting with i am not a serial killer which was adapted into a film um which we're also going to discuss so we're gonna interview him um you know talk about his writing uh the experience with uh his involvement in the making of the film uh things like that and so we're very excited and we'll be interviewing him in i think just under three weeks
0: that is super duper 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 exciting
1: yeah he he's a really uh cool guy um i've i mean i've met him at several conventions and like and got to talk to him at uh the life the universe and everything uh convention last month and he agreed to be on the podcast and we got everything scheduled with him now to to do that. So very excited there.
0: My other fun news I would like to share is I just got done being a voice actor for our, one of our favorite podcasts out there, Monsters Out of the Closet. They did a special episode for the month of March called Journeys, and it is a grinder date gone terribly wrong. And I play the voice of a very douchey athletic gay boy who is completely not who I am in real life. So that was fun. Um, and it is called Journeys, like I mentioned. If you love zombies, if you love horror, if you love road trips, if you love the Muppets, you're going <laughs> to love this episode. It's a lot of fun, and I had a blast doing it. Definitely go check them out. They're on Twitter. Um, their handle is Pod Monsters, and they have supported us very much. Through our podcasting terms, and we just have to give them a big old thank you for doing everything that they do.
1: Yeah, and I guess also just to mention them, uh, we're also in the works of uh, doing uh, or of planning out an episode uh, that will be done in conjunction with them. Uh, we'll, we'll review a movie, movie together. Uh, we're probably talking about uh, covering one of my all-time favorites, *The Orphanage*, which also should have won some awards because it's pretty much perfect or Um, in
0: its true title El Orfanado
1: yes it is Spanish it should have won like best foreign picture agreed
0: alright well do you want to do some housekeeping Um, please send us comments, send us messages send us reviews, we love that so 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 much hit us with all our handles Nathaniel
1: okay so we are at Scream Kings Pod so that is for Twitter obviously, then just Scream King Podcast on Facebook and uh ScreamKingpodcast at gmail.com if you want to email us with any questions or ideas or anything like that. We're in the process of trying to set up a Patreon, so we'll have some details about that soon. And then my personal Twitter handle is at NJDarkish. And Max is probably gonna have a Twitter handle that this is gonna be specifically for. Uh, The horror community uh, soon so we'll announce that when we have that
0: yeah I'm thinking about kind of creating one just so I can become more active on Twitter and connect with all you occult lovers out there I know it's been a while since we've done our occult corner and your little blurb on horror literature so we definitely do I know I have some ideas I've tried some things out that I'm excited to share with
1: everybody And those will be featured on some upcoming episodes. Oh, I guess one other thing I just wanted to mention in uh, relation to Get Out is that uh, I have a really strong book recommendation for anyone who loves Get Out, uh, who wants to uh, read about, you know, horror that deals with uh, race in America, uh, specifically Lovecraft Country, which I made Max read and he liked it. It's a fantastic book. Yeah, so it's uh, Lovecraft Country by Matt Ruff. Uh, can't recommend it highly enough it's probably my favorite book that i read last year but yeah and and also uh, everyone should pick that up because our wonderful oscar-winning director of get out is actually involved in a series adaptation uh, of that wonderful book (gasps) cool yeah so jordan peele and jj abrams are yeah turning it uh, into a tv show so so, it's going to destroy the foundations of the earth and raise us all into heaven? Yeah, pretty much. It's I, I'm <laughs> predicting now that if it is half as good as the book, it will be among my very favorite TV shows. So That's awesome. All right.
0: Well, I think that's it. I just had one more thing to say. My lovely boss at work does not like horror movies at all and really wants us to cover Pirates of the Caribbean because that's the scariest movie he has seen. And I told him I would mention that in the podcast, so here you go. We will never do that on the podcast. Uh, I'm, I
1: am mean, maybe if we, if we do kind of a, a milder episode.
0: Maybe if we run out of all the other horror movies in the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, my wife can give us all of the information because she's seen pirates probably more than most other humans combined. <laughs> so, anyway, I just had to throw that
0: out for him so I can harass him at work tomorrow yeah well everyone stay spooky and we will talk to you next time and uh, avoid
1: hypnotists at all costs
0: and if you do find one get out